Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today and on our show today we're going to be talking about corn leaf diseases and fungicides. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743 or send us an email radio at agphd.com. All right, so let's just start off the day talking about corn leaf diseases and fungicides and then we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag and take some calls. Um, Darren, I, I guess I just wanted to talk to you a little bit. What's your feeling right now in terms of corn leaf diseases and spraying fungicides? I, I, where I'm going with this is it's really dry in our region of the United States. Have you been out in fields and seen diseases at this point? You know, disease is a lot the pressure is a lot less this year unless you're irrigating. If you're irrigating, we've got a lot of heat, a lot of sunlight. There's been a lot of wind events. There's been sand blowing. There's been a lot of that kind of stuff going on. There's been some stress. There's also a lot of insect feeding in some areas. So there are a lot of openings on the plants that are making disease more possible and more probable especially in those irrigated environments. So it's certainly something I'd keep an eye on there always. I'd always, if I had irrigation and I had some disease in the area, I would always be on the on the lookout for that and treating ahead of time. Now for the dry land farmer that hasn't had rain in two months, I don't think disease control is the number one reason you're going to use a fungicide this year, but I'd argue in a lot of those areas, disease protection isn't the number one thing with the fungicides. Most farmers are looking at plant health benefits and stress tolerance as a big thing when they choose a fungicide and, and choose to apply one. Well, I, I mean, it, it absolutely can help. And, and in terms of plant health benefits, what we're talking about here is they have documented where when you, after you spray a fungicide in, in that strabilurin family, so that'd be like headline quadrus, avito, gem, uh, so any of those where you have a lower temperature in the crop canopy, so that's a benefit. You have higher levels of antioxidants in the plant, uh, another benefit. And then the other thing is less ethylene production. Uh, so with ethylene, that helps that tell, basically tells the plant to finish earlier instead of maybe putting on a little more yield. So those are the three main reasons why you might consider a fungicide for plant health benefits. But I would say if you don't have disease, you can't expect nearly the yield gain out of a fungicide, even with this, even a strobe, uh, as you could if you did have disease. So that, I guess, is my concern with spraying a fungicide and trying to get a good return on investment. I'd also bring up, if you look at what the average humidity was in June in our area. So South Dakota State University has a weather station, and so we they track literally every day what the humidity is. I'll just tell you, two years ago in June, it was 69% average. Uh, last year, it was 68% average in June. And by the way, in July and August, the average was 80% humidity here. I mean, we're in Southeast South Dakota, where you think of it kind of a dry area of the country. We don't get a tremendous amount of rainfall, but 80% average humidity that's greater than Miami, Florida. That's for July and August. 
and again, 69% or so uh, two years ago and last year 68%. Well, today, right now, and granted, it's in the middle of the afternoon, but it's only 78 degrees. We're at 35% humidity, Darren, only 35%. That's why if we keep having these dry days with low humidity, I don't think we're going to have a lot of disease pressure, at least in our region on non-irrigated ground. Nope, the odds are certainly against it, that's for sure. And you're right, if we have a big northern corn leaf blight or gray leaf spot, uh, kind of, or you know, any disease really, if we have a big outbreak, the yield gain or the yield that we protect with a fungicide could be huge compared to uh, a no disease year. However, there's just so much stress out there and anything we can do to reduce stress is a good thing. Yeah, and then the other factor that we always have to weigh into these discussions is what's the cost of the fungicide versus what is the price for corn? Fungicide prices actually came down again this year, so we have at least that part's good. And early on in the season, a lot of people use lower rates to begin with, so it doesn't cost much money. And the price of corn is good. Well, if you believe this drought's going to continue through a wide region of the United States, odds are pretty high that we're going to continue to see very good corn prices for another year. But, I mean, it's really hard to say. It's still relatively early. Although, um, Darren, I was just out looking at some fields, and where there's sand, I'm about ready to zero it out right now. I mean, it's that bad. It's that dry in the sand. I mean, we're lucky because we have mostly heavy soil and that crop still looks good. But boy, in the sand, it's really suffering. Yeah, I just had the same discussion this morning with a couple of farmers and in the sandy areas that they're they're ready to call it a day. It's over. But what are you going to do? I mean, you aren't going to spend any money tilling it under or even trying to put other cover crop seed out there that's just not going to grow when it's this dry no and you know the other thing is we do have a chance of rain coming up here later this week and you never know i mean we might luck out get an inch of rain and all of a sudden at least on the heavy ground that's still hanging on great um by the and by the way it has plenty of very deep roots now i'm sure as long as they weren't cut off from from compaction in your fields you probably have nice deep roots so we want that and that part's all good we just have to get some rain fairly soon and you know what happens even if we get an inch of rain all of a sudden humidity's higher there's a greater chance for disease then and yeah we'll we'll see what ends up happening here but all i know is uh, when we start talking corn leaf diseases and fungicides um, at this point in our region of the united states we're seeing a few less disease issues popping up today and the odds are less that a fungicide will pay but anything could happen here over the course of the next month or so All right, so once again, we are talking corn leaf diseases and fungicides. If you've got any questions for us on that or anything else that we can answer for you agronomically, or if there's just something you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm, the number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We're going to get to the phone lines right after this. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. 
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking about corn leaf diseases and fungicides. First on the show, we've got Kelly Liberator with us uh, with BSF. Kelly, how are you today? Do we have Kelly? Uh, all right. Uh, all right. Let's try that again. Uh, Kelly, how's it going today? I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, all right, we're talking corn leaf diseases and fungicides today. At BSF, there have been many different fungicides that you've targeted for corn, all the way from headline to headline amp to now Veltima. Can you talk to us just a little bit about why you've made maybe those transitions over the years and what a farmer could expect by spraying fungicide uh, here as we go into the midsummer. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, over the years, the thing that has been consistent is our commitment to making sure we're helping farmers get the most out of every acre through disease control, through plant health. And as you stated, we've had a long line of innovative fungicides. So it started with Headline and then Headline Amp and then Veltima fungicide are, you know, our, our newest innovation that is really bringing the top of the line disease control along with all of the plant health benefits. And what's really unique about Veltima and this new innovation is the active ingredient that it contains, Revisol. And what's really unique about Revisol is it's exceptionally long-lasting residual control of a wide variety of corn diseases. And we couple that with curative activity and plant health benefits, and that's what really provide that, that long-lasting benefit, you know, helping drive yields at the end of the season. 
Now, when I've talked to your people, they've discussed this Revisol with me many times. Number one, it's a triazole. So it is similar, in at least in family, to the other triazoles that are on the market. But everything that that your people at BSF have told me is just it's just more active. So how and why would it be more active than other triazoles? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we looked at the DMIs or at the triazoles, we saw that this group of fungicides was extremely valuable and extremely important, but just lacked innovation in the recent history. And so when we set out developing Revisol, we wanted to make sure to bring something new and to really innovate on this mode of action. And so there are structural differences in Revisol compared to any other triazole or any other DMI out there that gives it enhanced binding to that pathogen or to that disease that gives it stronger disease control. Uh, Also, most triazoles, and when you think of DMIs and triazoles, you think of that curative activity. You don't necessarily think of long-lasting residual. But through some of these structural changes and formulation technology, we were able to provide a product and provide a new active ingredient that had both of those benefits, um, which was different than any other triazole out there. So it's really that unique structure of... Revisol that allows us to have both these curative and residual properties. All right, last question I've got for you. If I'm after, let's say, uh, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot, and southern rust, would you rather have me as a farmer spray pre-tassel, at tassel, or after brown silk? Do you have a preference? Yes. You know, that's a good question, and it's all about the timing of the disease, right? And especially when we start thinking about southern rust, which is so aggressive and can be so destructive if it gets ahead of us. And so I always encourage farmers to be scouting their fields. You know, in the case of southern rust, we can be watching the progression um, on the the IPM pipe website and looking to see as it's moving into our area, because that's one that you want to be checking very closely and making sure that you're getting those applications out ahead of it being in your area or especially in your field. And I would say, you know, year after year, we do see that that tassel timing provides the best benefit for disease control and yield. But again, going back to those unique properties of Revisol and Feltima, we've been able to widen that application window and give farmers the confidence that the long-lasting residual and curative activity is going to protect them even if they do start applying at five feet or go into, you know, your later reproductive stages of, of R2 or even R3. So, so it, really that's... Yeah, so in summary, better to be too early than too late. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Uh, we've been talking to yeah. Kelly Liberator with BSF. Kelly, thanks for the time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. You bet. Let's go next to Nick Hustedy. He is with FMC over in Indiana. Nick, how's it going today for you? Oh, not too bad, Brian. Just out doing some spraying today. Uh, not spraying any fungicide yet, are you? I am not. So we actually have a bare ground residual herbicide trial that's going to go out. 
So uh, today we are talking about corn leaf diseases and fungicides. And with FMC, you've got a couple of different options that are there, but I assume probably the main one you guys have been talking about here this summer has been Lacento, which is the combination of the active ingredient in Top Guard, a really good triazole, and then you also have an SDHI in there, so two modes of action. Is that am I correct on that? Is Lacento the main one you guys are talking about? Yeah, that's our, our main focus. We also have Top Guard EQ, which would sure. be a silvaterin and azoxystrobin in the same food triazole molecule. Yep, so the active ingredient found in Quadris together with uh, with Top Guard, you bet. All right, so what are the, the top couple three diseases in corn that you get questions about? Well, right now, I mean, we're scouting all of our fields, but certainly we're focusing on the higher-risk scenarios. Um, you know, if we have no-till or uh, conservation till, or just more residue on the soil surface, uh, if we have irrigated fields and higher populations, and our growers are definitely pushing the envelope on plant population to try to really crank the, the yield out. Of course, if you had more interplant competition, um, you know, that can kind of create a situation where we could see more diseases. And we're really focused on the lower canopy right now. So we're looking for those residue-borne diseases. Uh, anthracnose is one that typically insects a little bit earlier. So you get the leaf blight phase early, and uh, you can also see some top buyback and stuff out. And as we get lower in the canopy as well, gravy spot. Uh, northern corn leaf blight, they're all going to climb up that ladder, so start moving through And then we're also really focused on trying to um, get ahead of our tar spot population. So as you move north in my territory, and then also right along the Wabash River, we're seeing, uh, I think, some flooding that's carrying some residue, and we're seeing tar spot move further south. So that's one that definitely is aggressive, and uh, not only is it going to influence the leaf area, but also cause some stalk issues later in the season. So with that particular pathogen, you know, it's not only about yield, but also standability and, and being able to harvest that crop you know, as we get to that point. Yeah, I'm with you. Tar spot is one we weren't even talking about five or ten years ago, but now we do get a lot of questions on that. All right, so with the Top Guard EQ, you've got a triazole and a strobe. But with Lacento, you've got a triazole and an SDHI. So what's the advantage? Why would I want to go Lacento, let's say, over Top Guard EQ? Yeah, so the way we kind of segment those two products in corn is Lucento is really strong on the leaf blight complex. So, you know, you got northern corn leaf blight and, and gray leaf spot in particular. We've seen excellent residual activity with that um, particular product concept. But when we move into Top Guard EQ with the strobilian, you know, we may see a little bit better stress tolerance in situations where we have drought or any sort of environmental stress. But also that strobilian is very strong on our southern rust so you know southern rust in my area of course doesn't overwinter it's got to get blown up in the rust pathway and a lot of our inoculum comes from louisiana and texas but you know if we're in the southern part of my geography you know we'll, we'll probably focus a little bit more on top 32 if we have the risk for southern rust and again we're watching that ipipe website to see where it's at um, but if we're really focused on that rifle shot approach for a greatly spot and only corner leaf bite we, we definitely like placento all right, sounds good. Again, we've been talking to Nick Hustetti with FMC. Nick, thanks for the time today. Yep, appreciate it. You bet. All right, again, if you've got any questions for us, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag a little later in the show, but coming up next, we'll get back to the phone lines right after this. You work for results. 
That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire Herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio, talking corn leaf diseases and fungicides here on the show. And we're going to jump back to the phone lines. We've got Chris Munsterman on with us. He's with Syngenta down in Nebraska. Chris, how are things for you today? Doing great here in Omaha. How are you, Brian? <laughs> well, a little dry, but other than that, uh, doing pretty yeah. good. Well, we got to keep our chins up. we got to keep our chin up. <laughs> we do. Uh, you know, as I was going through before the show, Syngenta and just some of the different fungicides you have, it got me thinking about um, almost anybody who's going to work for Syngenta has got to be pretty sharp because you got about a thousand different fungicides to choose from. How do you pick between, you got Trivapro, the Miravis family, the Quadris family, you got a whole bunch of other ones as well. How do you decide, even within Syngenta, what you're going to talk to a farmer or an agronomist about in this region of the United States? Well, we have it's nice to have such a full menu. It can be a bit daunting at times, but if you really 
are looking at what diseases are around in your geography, the, the, it usually becomes fairly simple and streamlined. Wait, the way we've positioned it in our fungicides in Nebraska and Kansas, the differentiator between Mervis Neo and Tribopro is if southern rust is your being pathogen that you're really concerned about, we've seen slightly better results with Tribopro than we have Mervis Ace. Mervis Ace is okay, but splitting those two out, and if you're more worried about northern corn leaf blight and gray leaf spot as your main driver, driver diseases, then we would tend to suggest Maribus, uh Neo. Because <laughs> right. You, that, the, the two different, we have two different carboxamides in those two products, and that's just where they, sli- they slightly separate out. Now, I realize that. But it I, is sort I, of an embarrassment of riches. Well, I was just, I, just about to say, I, I'm even trying to confuse you on this because there are a different, bunch of different Mervis products. You mentioned Mervis Ace. Right. That one is I'm really. Sorry, and that, was a, that, that was a miss. That was a miss. <laughs> On my part. I, was looking at, I was looking at some wheat data right before we called, we spoke. I, yep, so. but you see where I'm going with this. There's a lot of choices exactly. you got there. But the Miravis right. Ace product, that's uh, that's your wheat product, and you usually use that at heading head timing, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Scab, okay. Correct. All right. So Miravis Neo, you like that better for northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. Triver Pro, just a little bit better on southern rust. How about any of those yeah. uh, Quadris family products? Are you pretty much going to, because there is azoxystrobin in both the Miravis Neo and Triver Pro, you're just basically focusing on those two for corn, at least in, in the Midwestern United States? That's correct. Uh, we just see longer length of control with the with, uh, the Miravis Neo and Tribopro than we do with Quilt XL. And it's a good, better, best scenario. Uh, and like I say, it's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, when I started out in this company, we had tilt and quadras. Okay, do you have yeah. any tips so that, for... It's really... Yeah, no, I believe me, I know. Uh, yeah, and I started way before those were even products. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, when we're talking about fungicides, how do we get the best efficacy in terms of disease control what do you have for tips for our listeners in terms of water pressure wind to spray time of day all that kind of stuff uh if it's over 95 i would say try not to do that because evaporation becomes our real enemy particularly with aerial applications make sure your air guys are using an oil if it's really hot to get that drop to go to settle quickly uh Obviously, I prefer if you're going to do ground rigs, and I know you all in Dakotas go earlier, and uh, I love twin jet nozzles, front and back, coming out of there, getting good coverage. Uh, I'm always one of the old, old-time old sticklers I like to see for ground rigs 15 to 20 gallons, because if you're spraying a corn plant that's five and a half foot, six foot tall, without an ear on it, you're still talking over 10 tons of biomass per acre, and we want to get as much material out there as we can with those ground rigs, and I know people hate that because it's you lose some logistics benefits, but a little more carriers better uh, for ground rigs. All right. Any last comments you got for us in terms of corn leaf diseases and fungicide use, Chris? No, this is a year for the last few people that have never tried corn fungicides. This is a year to try because we're playing with house money with the commodity prices where we're at. Yeah, the crop price is really, really good. Let's hope that continues. Again, we've been talking to Chris Musterman. Munsterman. He is with Syngenta. Chris, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, let's go next to our friend Nick Flights. He is with Pentair. Uh, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. All right, so we're we're talking spray nozzles with these corn fungicides. And one of the things I got to thinking about was 
we we have a lot less humidity than normal and more heat. So does that mean I should change my spray nozzles? It, it definitely may. And, and the thing here to focus on is the droplet size those nozzles are producing. And, and Chris had mentioned evaporation. They're talking about higher heat, lower humidity. And that's a conditions that are going to, to favor fine spray droplet evaporation. So if you think about it, a lot of folks use a standard flat fan nozzle for fungicide spraying, yep. thinking that those finer droplets are going to give me higher coverage. Right. But those nozzles can also are going to produce 20, 25% of their droplet volume at 100 microns or less. And that's about the diameter of a human hair. And droplets of that size or smaller take a very long time to fall through the air, can take as much as 10 seconds to fall 10 feet. And during that span, that time of fall, if we have 85 degree and higher temperatures and moderate to low humidity, those droplets are very likely to completely evaporate before they reach the target. It's kind of like if you've ever been in a, uh, a hot area and they have those misting nozzles out to help cool you off. Yep. They don't last very long in the air before they completely evaporate. Now, if we double that droplet size, say we get the 200 microns, um, we're going to reduce that fall time to about four seconds and have very minimal droplet evaporation. If we increase that up to 400, which is coarse to very coarse droplet size, which is kind of what I'm going to advocate for, uh, that fall time is reduced down to a single second, and we're going to have really virtually no droplet evaporation. So we think about corn plant. There's a lot of height, a lot of mass there. You know, we're trying to get down to the, the ear, the corn leaf, down into the, the middle of the canopy. We need droplets that are going to uh, last and survive uh, th- that fall time to get down there and, and provide the coverage that we're looking for. Last summer, one of the sugar beet companies up north had run some studies, and they found that fungicides worked better when they sprayed in the mornings. I assume that's that exactly what you're talking about could be part of that. So is that something you will often recommend to people, is spray your fungicides in the morning, or what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good thing, and that's something I'm hearing a lot more people discussing, is either spraying um, early in the morning or in the evening and letting, um, having that, that nighttime, the cooler weather for, um, uptake through the cuticles and that. So it's generally best whenever possible, whatever we're spraying to avoid that heat of day in the middle of summer, um, because you've got that higher evaporation potential in the midsummer. A lot of times when we're spraying fungicides and and also uptake of, of other products outside of fungicide spraying can be reduced. Uh, during the the heat of the day. So certainly a good idea there as well. All right. One other thing that Chris with Syngenta just mentioned was twin. he likes twin jet nozzles. What do you think about using a different type of nozzle like that uh, as opposed to just having one spray? So twin jet nozzles are good. Nothing all wrong with them. They can give great coverage, great performance. Um, the only thing I don't like about a twin jet nozzle, and this is kind of getting deep uh, into uh, nozzle design, is you're splitting the flow, the energy, into two smaller orifices. So if yep. you use a, an 06 size dual fan tip, you're spraying out of two 03s. And so it reduces the energy in the spray droplet velocity. 
coming out or out of the tip. Um, that's the only thing I don't like about dual fan nozzles. Um, at times I like a, a single fan tip because we're conserving all that energy. We're putting it into a single spray pattern. So with some uh, single fan tips, if you feel them spraying, if you're just putting water out, there's going to be a lot of energy and velocity behind them. And in your example, that's the, the Pentair High Pro 3D nozzle. Um, you, you set it up on your, your sprayer, kind of like a, a dual fan nozzle setup by alternating them. But keeping all that flow into a single tip produces a lot more drop of velocity and energy to push down into the canopy. All right, great stuff as always. That's Nick Flights with Pentair. We've got more information on that on the Ag PhD Spray Tips Guide. Uh, it's a free app for your phone. Check that out. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. When it comes to crop disease, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on crop disease with DuPont Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one for healthier corn, soybean, or wheat crop that can deliver higher yield potential and increased revenue per acre. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. 
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Today in the show, we've been talking about corn leaf diseases and fungicides. If you've got a question for us, just email us, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag shortly. Right now, let's jump back to the phone lines. Got our friend Kevin Matthews on with us. He is a farmer down in North Carolina. Uh, Kevin, how are things looking on your farm right now? Looking pretty good. We've got the uh, shower rain come through earlier. Still running irrigation in certain places, but uh, things look very good. Good. Fixing to start tasseling corn probably in the next day or two. Okay, so our topic today is corn leaf diseases and fungicides. At what point do you start spraying fungicide in your corn? Uh, it depends on the yield potential of the field. Our irrigated ground, we sprayed it uh, between V5 and V8. We'll come back and hit that again Um right at VT actually with some micros and uh, insecticide to try to get the look after those silks and uh, make sure we don't have no thrips clipping on them and uh, get a good pollination. We'll add some fungicide in at that time. Uh, Veltima has worked real well for us. And um, then on those high yielding areas, you know, we may have to come back around R4, R5 with another application on our, you know, regular cropland, we're going to be in there at that VT stage just, just prior to tassel. That's when we like to be in there. And uh, then we'll hit it again about R4. So what are the top two or three diseases that you fight in corn on your farm? Well, the, the one you absolutely don't want is southern rust um, here in the Carolinas. It's normally not that bad every year, but when it comes, it comes with vengeance, so you want to be very protected. Um, gray leaf spot is an every-year thing. Gray leaf spot will actually, it, it can get bad enough here, it will kill the plants. And that can be detrimental to the yield. Then we, you know, if it's a disease out there, we pretty well got it in the south. We're kind of <laughs> in a microclimate. And so uh, it's not... It's not if you're going to spray, it's when you're going to spray down here and how often. If you can get by with one spray and it's awesome and two sprays is, is great. And, you know, I have had situations where we've had to spray up to four times if we had bad southern rust hurricanes blow up in here. Um, but that's rare. That is rare to have to do that. So what do you usually expect in terms of residual out of these fungicide? Two, three weeks? Uh, two, yeah. 21 days is really pushing it. The Veltima seems to be holding on better. We're getting a lot better control with it. Um, we got a lot of trials out with Zyway this year to see how that does. Um, yeah, I have. I can't comment because I haven't seen it through a season yet. The um, headline amp is something we really like because of the heat. It, you know, it just helps cool that plant down and our heat stress that we have and the Veltima has that same characteristics, but it seems to, we did a lot of research for Veltima and BASF, and that earlier application it just seems to have a lot longer residual than anything else that we've used to this point. The Veltima. Yes, sir. The yeah. Veltima. Yeah. Okay. How about in terms of making a fungicide work better? Is there anything that you would suggest putting the fungicide with or not including in the tank if you want better results? I, it depends on the timing. Um, now, if you're, you know, if you're pollinating, just don't go. Just, I mean, that's the simplest rule of thumb. And and until you have uh, brown silk, do not use a surfactant of any kind, regardless of what anybody says. Just don't do it. The um, 
micros is good to put in there. You know, boron is something we're very, you know, we're, we're very prominent on using. We like to get all we can get in there. But um, the biggest thing is is get, you know, I don't like spraying in the middle of the day, Brian, when it's just hot as can be. Uh, I just soon leave them sprayers parked from about noon till, you know, four o'clock in the evening and then go back and spray late in the evenings, early in the mornings. Sure. So in terms of just fungicides in general, do you have any other comments for our listeners today? Any other tips, anything else you've kind of picked up over the years? Well, people want to wait till they see disease and get, then they say, I need to put fungicide out. You're just trying to get vent revenge then. <laughs> the, the problem's done happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you really and truly, if you put fungicide out and you don't see any yield benefit, you don't see any disease, then it's done its job. That's baseline. That's worst case scenario. Is, you know, you, you broke even, but you didn't have disease. But if you have disease and you are trying to put a fungicide out, it's kind of like it's no different than getting sick as a dog and then going to the doctor and wanting to be fixed in 10 minutes. It ain't going to happen. It takes some time to get over it. So, and the damage is done. But I, I really encourage the listeners to be proactive, look at it as a rock solid insurance policy, and get those premiums paid. Get it out there. All right. Great information, Kevin. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, for our listeners, if you are interested in checking out any of the stuff that Kevin does, you can just look him up. Kevin Matthews, he farms in North Carolina and he works with the Extreme Ag Group. Uh, Kevin, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Y'all take care. Yep, you too. Thank you. All right. When we talk about corn leaf diseases and fungicides, it's really going to vary depending on where you're at and the diseases that you may end up getting on your farm. So the three that were mentioned most commonly today were southern rust, which we fortunately, at least at this point, don't get here on our farm in South Dakota, gray leaf spot, which we almost never get, and northern corn leaf blight, which we will occasionally get, but not bad. Uh, there were some other ones that were mentioned like anthracnose, there's tar spot, there's eye spot, there are a number of other diseases that can show up on your farm. So yeah, it just all depends on what diseases you have and how early they come. The earlier they come, the more damage they can potentially do. Where we farm, uh, we have had much, much, much better luck spraying in that kind of V5 to V8 timing. So we're doing some of that this year. Uh, it's just so dry here that I don't know that we're going to get a lot of gain out of it, but we're hoping at least for some plant health benefits by using one of the strobe products. Spraying at tassel. On our farm, we've sprayed at tassel for 10 years now. Uh, not every field or anything like that. We've really only had what I would call really good gains twice in 10 years. And it was the two super wet years, 2018 and 2019, where we had 35, 40 inches of rainfall. Normally we get 20 inches, 22, something like that. I mean, that even counts the snow. So I, I'm just saying we don't get a lot of rain, we don't have as much disease, and for us, spraying at tassel timing just doesn't work most of the time, but we don't have irrigation, and we also don't have some of the most harmful diseases to corn out there. So I, 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 when, I, when I say 
for us, the tassel applications don't work. Most of the people, most of the farmers I work with in Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, even Nebraska under irrigation, they are having good gains from spraying at tassel time. So I'm just saying it really, this whole thing really depends on your area. We would also encourage you, use multiple modes of action. Just about every fungicide we mentioned today, it's not just a single mode of action, it's two. Veltima has two. Headline Amp has two. Lacento has two. Topguard EQ has two. Uh, Miravis Neo and Trivapro actually each have three. I mean, there are, there are a lot of really good fungicides out there, but best of all there are a lot of really good fungicide premixes out there and you can certainly make your own mix too do whatever you want to do but we like having multiple modes of action so we have less chance for disease resistance and again the three main families uh, because i didn't really uh, state this right at the beginning the three main families we're always talking about for corn leaf diseases at least here in the united states it's the strobes that would include like headline quadris uh, Evito, uh, Gem. Then we got the Trizols. That'd be everything from Old Tilt to the brand new Revisol to Top Guard, and and there are a few others there as well. And then you've got that SDHI family. So that SDHI is kind of considered the newer family, but SDHIs have actually been around for quite a while. But anyway, those are the three common modes of action. So we would just encourage you, try to pick two, at least two, if not even all three, when you're spraying in your farm. All right, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad spectrum control and a long lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. 
Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. All right, our first email of the day, and I got to chuckle out of this one. It comes from Doug. He says, defend myself after yesterday's show. So yesterday, if you weren't listening, we got some soil test results, and I think we got tissue test results too from Doug and he when we were looking at it he was asking about micronutrients and I just said yes uh, there are some micronutrients here that absolutely need to be addressed but I said in my book the P and the K are, are low now we didn't have the information on what he had applied he just said he had applied some so anyway uh, Doug says here um, <laughs> he goes yesterday Brian accused me on the worldwide internet of neglecting my P and K levels last fall I applied 500 pounds of O60 so that's potash and this fall we plan to apply 7,000 gallons of sow manure per acre in the next few days we'll be wide dropping sulfur and boron now after col- after correcting my micronutrients with only dry fertilizer, I've seen a 15 bushel increase in soybean yields. That's awesome, Doug. Great job. Uh, we have been deep injecting sow manure for the last 10 years, so I don't think my phosphorus levels are a problem. I think the drought is getting to Brian. Been there. <laughs> well, Doug, um, one thing when you say deep injecting sow manure, I've got a couple of questions again. First is how deep are you injecting it? And then how deep are you soil testing? Here's where I'm going with this. So we will be doing some dairy manure injection this fall, and we're going to put a whole bunch of it in the range of, call it, 8 to 16 inches deep. If we're soil testing 0 to 6 inches, we're not going to pick that up. So that that's my first question. Are you soil sampling as deep as how deep you are applying that manure? If not, then maybe that would be something to take a look at just to to make sure that we're finding the P and the K that actually is there. The other thing would be in terms of 7,000 gallons of of sow manure per acre, it says, I I am always going to be concerned about salt. So the deeper you inject it, the better off you are when there's a lot of salt because it sounds like a lot to me without seeing the analysis. I don't know how much salt there is, but uh, it just sounds like a lot to me whenever we start talking hog manure. Um, Here's the other thing. When he says he applied 500 pounds of potash last fall, I just want you to think about this for all our listeners. Okay, 500 pounds of potash, it's almost 60. That'd be 300 pounds of actual K2O. 
or 250 pounds of actual K. So if we're talking K, and on the soil test we're talking K, then we better talk apples to apples here. And yes, I realize it says 0060, but the 60% the is K2O. It's technically only 50% K. So if we only have 250 pounds of K, that means we're going to raise our soil test level by, divide that by 2, assuming we're doing 6-inch samples here, um, 125 pounds, of, uh, or I should say 125 parts per million. And that would still, if I remember right from yesterday's test, and so don't quote me on this because I don't have his soil test from yesterday here, uh, it, I, I, if I remember correctly, we were only in the 2 to 3% range on K. That still might not put you above 4% K, and if it does, it's going to be barely above. So one of the things we were talking about yesterday with this whole drought deal is, look, if you're going to have less moisture... That means you got to have more concentration of fertilizer because fertilizer is going to go in or plant nutrients in general are going to go in with water. Well, if there's less water, yet you've got to get the same concentration of or the same overall dose in there of fertility, that means your concentration would need to be higher. So it's just a question of if you want to do that or not. But I, I know it sounds like a lot whenever we start talking about, oh my goodness, 500 pounds of potash. Yeah, I know. Um, last fall, we did a whole bunch of 700, 800 pound stuff where we were trying to build our levels from 4 or 5% up to 7%, which is where I wanted to get to. And thank goodness we did some of that because we were better prepared for the drought this year. Well, anyway, Doug, uh, thanks, thanks for the response. Not trying to pick on you or anything else. I didn't have all the information. And we're just always talking about in general terms. Um, we want to do anything we possibly can, economically speaking uh, and agronomically speaking, to achieve some better yields and hopefully earn some more income on the farm. The last thing that I wanted to throw out, if I remember right from yesterday, we were talking about adding, or he was talking about adding, I think it was 50 pounds of zinc sulfate, which is fine. It's just a lot of zinc. And we, we like having our ratio of phosphorus to zinc roughly 10 to 1 or thereabouts. We just don't want to get that ratio far off. And my concern is we have also in the past done a bunch of application of 50 pounds of zinc sulfate. Uh, and by the way, that's roughly one-third actual zinc. I think it's like 35%. But, but anyway, the point is, in short order, we got our phosphorus-to-zinc ratio out of whack a little bit where we ended up with more zinc compared to the phosphorus than we wanted, and our yield started to suffer. So uh, we're great adding micronutrients. We just always encourage everybody to uh, do, do things in moderation a little bit or put it another way, if you're going to put on a lot of zinc, you got to make sure your phosphorus levels are high in relation. Okay, uh, next one comes from Alistair talking about root digs in corn. We've done a video on root digs in corn, and Alistair says, can't see much in the way of rhizosheaths in there. The problem with all of those crops shown is a lack of diversity and the amount of high analysis fertilizer used. Look, I realize that when you hear things um, out in the general public and there's talk about, oh, we've got to go all uh, no-till or whatever and build the soil life, I'm all in favor of building soil life, absolutely. But to think that we have to farm a certain way to do that, I'm going to disagree with that. And at the end of the day, as farmers, if we can't make money, we don't survive. We go broke. And 
the, the problem with this diversity talk is, look, we I would love to have eight different crops I could raise on my farm. But the problem with that is, number one, it's going to cost me a lot more in equipment. Number two, I got to learn a lot more. And number three, each one of those needs to be profitable. Back, I'm going to say it was three or four years ago, on our farm at the Ag PhD Field Day site, I had a plot that it was over 100 bushel spring wheat. It, if, if it would have been in the National Yield Contest, it would have been the, one of the highest ones in the whole country for spring wheat. And if I would have paid $200, which is the going rate at the time, um, for cash rent, uh, now this is on ground I owned, okay, but if I would have paid $200 for cash rent, I would have broke even. <laughs> in other words, I couldn't even make any money with almost a national record yield. It's like, I, I mean, I love the idea of diversity. The problem is it, it's got to pay at the end of the day. And we have not found that adding the diversity um, allows us to cut back on fertilizer or cut back on the weed control and some of these other things. So we're all for trying more stuff. And we always encourage people, try new things, uh, you know, see if you can get something else to pay. But it just it just hasn't worked very well for us and in our area. Uh, next one is from Robert, and he, he we had we were talking about Liberty Link soybeans recently on the show, and he asks, "Are you willing to eat these soybeans?" You know, I think a lot of people get concerned about some of the biotech traits that they may not be safe. Robert, I can guarantee you, uh, I would eat those soybeans, no problem, no fears, no concerns. There's nothing wrong with them. Keep in mind, biotech has never killed one person in the history of the world. Uh, let's see. Next one is from Julianka uh, along these same kind of lines says, uh, I thought Roundup causes cancer yet everyone is spraying it all over. How does it not get in the food chain or stay in the ground and build up in the soil, making it toxic? Look, there was a study that just came out again today out of the European Union, and they found once again, it doesn't, Roundup does not cause cancer. Glyphosate does not cause cancer. It works on an enzyme that's found only in plants. And once it hits the ground, it's basically done. Yes, it takes a little while to break down, but it's not going to kill plants or anything like that after it hits the ground. Uh, anyway, everybody's worrying about Roundup. It's actually one of the safest pesticides that's ever been developed. And you might say, well, then why do they have all these lawsuits? I'll tell you why they have all these lawsuits, because there was a great big company they knew they could get money out of. So there were a whole bunch of lawyers that got together, started putting ads out saying, oh, if you think Roundup caused your cancer, then join our group. Well, you know, if, if you're a big company and you get 30,000 people suing you, you're ahead to just settle rather than go to court 30,000 times and spend all that money. So the, the sad thing about it is at the end of the day, and this is one of the things my dad always said, who pays the bill? Well, you're going to see the price of Roundup, price of all glyphosate is going to continue to go up. So at the end of the day, the farmer pays the bill, the lawyers get rich, and these people that got cancer, they still have cancer, unfortunately. They didn't get it from Roundup, they got it from somewhere else, and they got a little bit of money. So anyway, it's kind of sad when it's all said and done. I hate to leave you with that note, uh, but uh, I, we do appreciate you joining us today. Hopefully you've enjoyed our show, and be sure to listen to us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.